welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Robert Luke, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. This was my favorite type of week because there's there's so many new and interesting things that uh, we can discuss in most excitingly new freighter types. We're tired of playing with the old ones, so let's see what comes in the door in the second half of the year. I, I think our first new freighter will be our A340-600, and this is a action that comes on the precipice of the European aircraft uh, regulatory authorities removing the temporary use of what we belovingly have referred to as praetors since the dawn of the uh, COVID pandemic. After July 31st, there will be no more praetors allowed in service in Europe, which has caused several companies to rethink what they're going to use with their converted passenger aircraft or semi-converted passenger aircraft. That brings UK-based European Aviation Group to launch a new company called European Design Services to modify European Cargo Limited's fleet of six A340-600s in Burma. Now, we're not exactly sure how many of the six feedstock A340-600s will be modified, but all of them were previously in service with Virgin Atlantic. They've been modified in flying with the seats removed. However, the company's developing two SDCs to finally transition the aircraft into true freighters. And it's, 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 it's almost like a similar modification uh, in, in Brazil with Azul's E-190s, uh, where th those modifications brought those aircraft into Class F freighters. And this is without a cargo door, but with fire detection and suppression technologies, stuff like that. Now, the, the company will eventually produce an STC for cargo door, or at least they tell us, but they've expressed that time constraints wouldn't allow that to happen. They want these aircraft up and running. And that wasn't the only new type of freighter, wasn't that, Robert? Yes, you're absolutely correct, Drew. And uh, Jeff and Drew, please feel free to chime in as I discuss this next one. But um, Boeing has hinted at they're considering doing the cargo haul version of the 787 Dreamliner. So this is something that was uh, being discussed for quite some time because the 787 obviously is uh, an aircraft that meets all of the requirements that are going to be imposed over the next couple of years for the movement of any type of aircraft uh, globally. So this brings it to a point of not only a need, but a definitive interest from operators that are uh, currently using 7.6 freighters in particular, or even looking at the A330s. Now, uh, with the tougher emission standards that are supposed to take effect in 2028, the Dreamliner already meets compliance regarding those uh, stringent requirements and would be a ideal asset for the uh, operators of cargo uh, haulers to put into uh, their fleets. Um, the Dreamliner is basically uh, the first airframe that was made out of carbon fiber, so you don't have a lot of heavy weight that you're concerned with when you're looking at this uh, aircraft as an ideal freighter conversion. Uh, the only technical hurdle that everyone is primarily aware of is 
how to reinforce the structure to cut out the large cargo doors so that cargo can be loaded and unloaded regularly as it is now with the aluminum airframes. If successful, this could be one airframe that could definitively replace the 767, provide a serious level of competition for the A330, and in some variants, uh, replace the 777s, particularly the 200LR variant. Um, I think, you know, this is tremendous uh, that they've even decided to make this public because we knew for years again that they were already looking at how to make this happen. And now that we have the open discussions taking place, uh, I believe it's just a matter of time before the actual Dreamliner starts to take flight as a cargo variant. And then you look at some of the older versions that could be brought back into life instead of being put into the boneyards because they really don't have any second life uh, plans in place for them once their passenger service is obsolete. Uh, and again, Jeff and Drew, if you guys have anything you want to add into it, feel free as, you know, this is a very interesting topic as a new variant of uh, develop or a new development for a um, carbon fiber freighter coming into the industry. I couldn't be more thrilled with it. I, I, I What made the 787 stand out when it first was unveiled was how light the airframe was because of that uh, carbon fiber composite technologies that you mentioned. And combined with the fuel efficiency of the GENX, I think you have so much potential for, uh, for useful load on that aircraft that uh, – and given the design, how we're already familiar with how to build it, how to maintain it. Um, it could make a a real exciting future for airlines that may use a 787 in passenger service to have more wide body entries into their uh, into a freighter market. Um, but that's not the only relatively at least new design that was um, came out this week. Don't we have an update on? from China on their ARJ-21, Jeff? Well, we do, but before that, let me just say, um, I think on the 787, it's probably not too surprising um, that Boeing is looking at the cargo version because obviously that's that's the logical um, next platform to, to look at. And I think, um, yes, it's definitely going to be an interesting aircraft to, to fly cargo with. Um, and I think there are probably two um, sort of two branches because yes there's the conversion but um i think boeing is probably and this is what i got from um what was released this week um that seems like they're looking at the production version um a production freighter version of the 7872 and um so i mean we'll have to see what happens and which um of these branches comes first but um you're right the main challenge is to figure out um, how to cut into that um, airframe with the um, carbon fiber barrels. And there's a whole discussion about how that's different from the from Airbus's approach on the A350, but um, that's another discussion. Um, and yes, while we're on the topic of new freighter types, um, interestingly, we have the ARJ-21, um, the regional jet uh, manufactured by Comac in China. And I mean, the, this aircraft um, has, I have to say, had, had limited success um, outside China. The company has only delivered around 70 units to um, seven carriers in China. And one of the things that they um, have said was that they were looking at 
um, you know, creating different versions, you know, including a cargo version um, and other, you know, like a business jet version and, and others. But um, the cargo version, YTO Cargo Airlines um, has actually bought one of these, um, a relatively young one, I might add, and is having it converted at Gamaco in Guangzhou. Um, and this STC is uh, developed by Comac itself. And they uh, they started working on it um, towards the end of 2021. And Cargo expects to start flying it before the end of this year. But interestingly, it seems like um, there might also be a production version um, because in 2020, the Hernan Civil Aviation uh, Development Investment and Development Company um, signed some kind of deal with Comac, um, and in that deal there was a firm order for 25 um, ARJ21 freighters. We don't quite know what's going on with that um, and whether that order still stands, but in any case, the ARJ21 freighter is supposed to have a, um, a payload of around 10 tons, and the question is, with the new Embraer conversions um, that also have 10 to 12 tons, you know, how do these two two regional types um, fit in? And of course, it, it would be unlikely, um, I think, for carriers outside China to pick the ARJ21 conversion anyway. But, um, you know, in this kind of size segment, um, we now have a couple of different options to choose from. I, I'm really excited for, for that aircraft. I, I know introducing itself as a, a small regional aircraft is very competitive um, given other Western counterparts. And it'll be nice to get that aircraft to have a, I don't want to say a second chance because it hasn't blown in on its first opportunity, but a second use as a freighter. Yeah, freighters always uh, provide second life for the original uh, production models that were, you know, introduced as passengers. So um, we wish the ARJ-21 nothing but success as they move forward with their plans to do their freighter configuration. Uh, moving over to the uh, western side of the world with the United States, Extreme Aviation, which we had the pleasure of meeting with earlier this week, has teamed with Aero, Acquisition, Aero Acquisition's Nicholas Schmidt, uh, to form Aventis Air Leasing and deliver 7737 Classics to its launch customer, Aero Sucre. Uh, two of the aircraft have already been delivered, with uh, one 300 being set up for conversion, and the remaining four 737-400 freighters will already be configured as freighters and delivered to the actual client. Um, Extreme Aviation Partners, Amos Rodriguez, Carlos Koch and Nicholas Schmidt have successfully worked together for over 20 years and realized the opportunity was now at hand to merge their respective skill sets, clientele, and experience to establish a one-stop shop for their business interests. So they're very confident uh, based on their background and their vision and moving this thing forward productively and positively. And they do feel comfortable with their uh, list of uh, clients and generated interest they receive with this new formation. Um, its MRO subsidiary, Extreme Aviation, has signed a subservice agreement to assist PIMCO with its conversion orders and has already inducted its first conversion for the STC holder, which is about 85% complete right now. Um, the cargo door was just recently cut, and in addition to that, the group has additional customers lined up to provide 737 Classics 2 and plans to add an additional MRO facility 
to meet the increasing demand for Boeing's first-generation narrow-body freighters, which surprisingly, or rather, should I say not surprisingly, still exists because they're so dependable and useful. And, you know, right now, even some of the later production airframes that were designed between 97 to 99 still have a lot of life left in them, even if the younger ones are nearing the end of their, their run cycles. While the group's CEO, Carlos Koch, would confirm they are planning to add more freighter conversion programs to its portfolio as they continue to focus on the freighter configuration market. Um, they expect to be a key support to their second and third tier airline operators globally and also can expect to uh, have a long-term partnership arrangement with PIMCO that should be going to last for the uh, foreseeable future to come. Um, so that is what's really happening there out of the uh, Opelika, Miami area. Uh, in regards to some other MROs, there is a mammoth one that's also getting ready to do some uh, interesting things here as well. So, uh, Jeff, I'll bring it over to you to discuss that further. Right. Um, on the MRO side of things, it looks like uh, Mammoth Freighters is getting ready to start working on its first 777 200 LRMF conversion. Um, now, as we know, Mammoth acquired 10 um, X Delta 777 200 LRs, um, and it has a deal with CargoJet for four um, conversions. Um, now, the first one actually arrived at the GDC uh, facility in Fort Worth in February. Uh, the second one followed later that month. Third arrived in May, and the fourth one actually just arrived this week. So now all four of the aircraft going to CargoJet are at um, the facility, but they haven't actually started cutting into it yet. Um, I think I think they're getting ready to, though. Um, we have reached out to them, and hopefully we'll we'll have more information and get to talk to them um, next week. That's really exciting news, and I, I think that we're always really happy when the MROs get to talk to us uh, to let us um, tell their stories and perspective. I, I want to thank Mr. Cock for sitting down uh, with us uh, to go into detail about all of the fantastic things that Extreme Air uh, is doing. I'll be watching them very closely. Speaking of things to watch closely, this next one reads more like a spy novel uh, or some Tom Clancy genre rather than a traditional cargo facts story. But we go to Argentina, with updates on Mtrasur's 747. Now, that's an aircraft that we reported on back in February when it joined uh, the new Venezuelan uh, Airlines fleet. The idea behind this was that it was going to be a, a, a tool to establish an air bridge between uh, Iran, Venezuela, China, and Russia. Um, a hot list to be on uh, as of this last year. Uh, so we were excited to see it. It, it was uh, previously in service with Mahan Air, which has also uh, supplied M. Trasor's parent company, Convisa, with passenger A340s. But that's where our problem lies, because Mahan Air has uh, is subject to a number of international and uh, U.S. sanctions, specifically for supplying uh, are, are, are serving as the cargo and logistics operators for uh, Iranian Quads Force, which has been active in conflict areas such as Syria. So this week, uh, 
Amtrak store 747-300 had departed Mexico City with auto parts to deliver to a factory in Argentina. Uh, and when it arrived in Argentina, Argentinian authorities noticed a number of not so subtle errors on the crew members' passports. The crew consisted of both Venezuelan and Iranian nationals, and two of the Iranian pilots had connections to the Iranian Quads Force. So you have all sorts of accusations of espionage. The When the uh, passport problems were first discovered, the crew got back on board their 747 and departed for Uruguay to attempt to receive fuel there. However, Uruguay had closed its airspace to the aircraft after being in informed by a foreign intelligence service of the potential threat of espionage. The aircraft landed back in Argentina and for all, although the crew has since been released from in temporary, uh, they weren't in prison, they were cornered off in a hotel, I, I, I heard, although they were temporarily not for allowed to leave, they're allowed to leave on passenger um, aircraft. The aircraft can't move because no one in Argentina's willing to sell it fuel. Um, so that'll add to another list of a, what seems to be a growing list of aircraft that have fallen ill to geopolitical conflicts in 2022. And with that bombshell, that's all the time that we have for today. To those of you listening, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect. For more multimedia content like this, check out CargoFacts.com. Search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify. Join us again next time.